The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars, episode 72. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Just, of course, a quick reminder to please share the podcast on your favorite favorite social media platform, whether that's Twitter or Facebook. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you, you get your podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Uh, those those five-star reviews help us get seen by more people. So please, 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 please go do that and let us know how we're doing. Today, we are continuing our series of character-devoted episodes, and we will be taking a deeper look into the pilot and leader of the Ghost Crew in Star Wars Rebels, so Hera Syndulla herself. Joining me today on the panel are Angela Cialana. Woohoo! Hello, everyone. Hello. Second up is Thomas Sanherjo. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. And third and finally this evening is Mike Creevy. Hello, hello. It is good to, to have you guys with us. So we um, will just kind of jump right into it. I don't think that there was anything newsworthy to share this week. Um, I think Bad Batch is still kind of the next big thing coming our way on May 4th. So um, speaking of May 4th, be sure to listen to the end of the episode because we've got some pointers on what's coming up for us on May 4th uh, in just a month. So stay tuned for that. But we will begin our discussion of Hera. So. Coming from the wonderfully reliable Wikipedia, Hera Syndulla was a Twi'lek female revolutionary who became a central figure in the early rebellion against the Galactic Empire and the formation of the Alliance to Restore the Republic. Born the daughter of General Cham Syndulla on Ryloth with a brother who died young, she saw firsthand the devastation of the Clone Wars and the reign of the Empire on her homeworld. Sindula became an expert pilot and left her homeworld and her father's planetary resistance behind, setting off across the galaxy to build her own resistance movement against the Empire aboard her starship, the Ghost. Kanan Jarrus, a Jedi who survived Order 66, joined her during the Gorse conflict and eventually became her lover and father of her son, Jason. Her crew, the Spectres, mounted an insurgency on Lothal, and was eventually comprised of the Mandalorian warrior Sabine, Lasat survivor Zeb Aurelius, Syndulla's lifelong astromech, astromech droid Chopper, and Padawan Ezra Bridger. So, what are your guys' just general impressions of Hera? <laughs> That's yeah. a big question. <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk about her because um, I think this is the first like non 
like mainline movie mm-hmm. type character that we've talked about so far. Um, and, you know, for those of you who may not be as familiar with Star Wars Rebels, um, Hera, there is so much canon on Hera Syndulla. Like mm-hmm. literally you go to Wikipedia, which yeah. I did today yeah. to like <laughs> review for this episode. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was so long. The um, entry on Hera, because not only are there, you know, Star Wars Rebels episodes about her, but there's also comics and there's also books and uh, she, she, video she's game been stuff. Video games. Yeah, I was yep. going to say video game stuff's good. Yeah, so like Hera is all over canon. She does make that little cameo um, in Rogue One, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Hera, I mean, she's actually like a huge figure in canon when you think about how much there is um, that she's actually in. And um, I just, uh, I I really appreciate Hera also because... Um, you'll see a lot of like there's a T-shirt, an official Star Wars T-shirt that has the word hero, but it's got a like like um, with her instead of the O, there's a sort of outline of her face or her head. And um, I think she really has come to um, stand for what the uh, women figures in Star Wars kind of <clears throat> all are in a way, like mm. her courage, her um, her maternal um, compassion, her loyalty, her commitment to the, re- the rebel cause, um, her talent, her abilities. I mean, she's just all around. She's an amazing character. So I'm excited to talk about her today. I like I like that she fills a role. And I think this is a really important thing that that is missed a lot when when female characters are are kind of shoved to the forefront, that they end up having to be everything. And and there's no way to, uh, you know, have them rely on other people because they they need to prove who they are. And the, the great thing about her character is that she doesn't. She does what she does really well, and that's be a leader. And and that's be that core of this group of people that um, that all have their own, you know, some of them are, are are really skilled at being combatants. Some of them are really skilled at being infiltrators. Uh, some of them are just as skilled as her at being pilots. But she fills that role of kind of being the glue that holds them all together. And she doesn't have to be everything. She can be really good at that and competent and and show up as a competent good character and that's it's a fantastic way to see uh that character grow especially in this kind of ensemble cast yeah and i, I don't i mean just initially the only thing that i was thinking of that, that wasn't kind of a, just wrapped up right there by you two guys because i think you hit the nail <laughs> on the head is um you know a theme that i don't know if it'll come up later at all but but what i find just sort of naturally communicated through her character is a real maternal like I, I think really good organic kind of, of example, uh, a very consistent example of like genuine femininity, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like a really bold, you know, like outside so much of the, the nonsense that's out there today and all the confusion, you know, and, and uh, about what exactly all that is or, or is not and that kind of thing where so, you know, and, and again, it's challenging. Like it's challenging if you're trying to write a character like that to not, maybe even unintentionally push it one way or the other, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not 
you know, chastising anybody, you know, uh, uh, for like the way things are oftentimes in the movies and stuff like that. You know, sometimes it's on purpose. I think sometimes it's just difficult. Like, what are you trying to do with this character? And so I just feel like uh, I'm sure a lot of that's the writing. I'm sure a lot of it's Vanessa Marshall, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's just something that comes across like like she just seems like a wonderful, you know, uh, mother and friend and like all this this very i have a few notes down about some like marian connections but maybe we'll get to that later (laughs) (laughs) if that's not too bold but yeah i I just i love her character so much i I think one thing that i have to say about summing up her character is this rebels could have been firefly in the star wars universe (laughs) except (laughs) that she grounds it into Mm. like this really good yeah uh, you know they they, they weren't crazy they weren't off the rails they weren't right doing these things without a purpose because she was always kind of bringing it back to, you know, making sure that they were all connecting with each other and that they were all connecting with the larger cause. Yeah. And, and what was great about, um, this whole, this whole thing, Star Wars Rebels was, um, I'm pretty sure it was, it was really the first series that branched out and didn't include any from mainline Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So we have this whole crew of characters that we are just introduced to for the first time. And, you know, there's not Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know, and, and Ahsoka's kind of come in as kind of that character that we grow and grow to learn and love. Um, but this is where we're, we're introduced to, to a family and it's focused uh, on Ezra and, and his journey, his his hero's journey. But every character in the, the whole Rebels series is, is crucially important. And, and so Hera was one that, um, unlike Ahsoka... <laughs> I think was immediately loved, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like, and I watched it. And I remember watching it. I was, I was actually just looking it up. Um, uh, the, the John Jackson Miller novel, yeah, the new dawn a, came out. That's a good one in, um, September of 2014. And I remember <laughs> I was in my third year of theology in seminary. And I remember sitting out on the patio reading a new dawn and, uh, the, the series itself started in October of 2014. So the book was sort of the, the prequel to, to get to know Hera and Kanan before they, before they show up in rebels. And these, these characters are just ones that you immediately gravitate towards. And I, mm-hmm. and I think you guys have already really kind of at least encapsulated what, what Hera is about. I mean, she, she's the mom and not just like like stereotypical, you know, cooking, cleaning mom. She's like, she's like the bad a mom, you know, she's, she's, uh, she is the nagging mom though. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta gotta take care of everybody, right? You gotta keep them in line. (laughs) But she, but she like, she's, she can be soft and compassionate, you know, when, when it's called for, but she can also be stern and, yeah, (laughs) the the nagging mom, if you will. Uh, I was rewatching, um, Oh, I think it was out of out of the darkness. Out of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Season, season one, episode seven. So I was watching a number of them this afternoon. And that one yeah. in particular, if you want just like a glimpse of family life on the ghost ship, that one mm-hmm. was like quintessential. You know, you've mm-hmm. got Sabine kind of the angsty teenager, you know, who's who's not happy that Hera isn't sharing all the secrets about Fulcrum. And you've got, you know, Hera and Kanan kind of being the, the parental figures. And you've got. Ezra and Chopper and Zeb just acting like kids. I just love when she says, may I ask, you know, like, may I ask where all that intel's coming from? And Hera's like, you may ask. <laughs> you know, it's like, mom. Like, it's just. 
Yeah. So, so that one was, that one was a lot of fun for me to go back to because, you know, and then she treats each of the groups differently and she ends up connecting and bonding with Sabine on a level that she doesn't with Ezra, Zeb and Chopper and just has them go off and, and fix things and doesn't trust them and checks their work and, and everything. So, you know, she's, she's, she's a good mom, I guess is, is kind of a, it boils down to that for me. So I'm, I, I think that, uh, she is, she's just an all around good character. So kind of moving on from that, uh, what do you guys kind of think of her character arc in general over the course of, uh, the four seasons of rebels? Well, over the four seasons of rebels, I think, um, she definitely does grow. Uh, she actually goes through a lot of, um, life experiences that, you know, us as human beings <laughs> go through. Um, she, you know, we don't just see her as the mom figure. We also see her as kind of like a wife, you know, to, to Kanan in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely have these um, sort of quarrels and um, talks, stern talks with each other and heart to hearts. And But we also see her as a daughter. Um, we see a, a couple of episodes with her father um, and how she is, um, how she deals with some family strife. Uh, she grows in, in those, um, arcs, story arcs. And, um, we also see her grieving loss, you know, the mm-hmm. loss of her love mm-hmm. and, um, that she's able to overcome that and to, to come to embrace the new life that comes from that. And so, um, you know, we we really I think she has definitely a lot of qualities of the typical Star Wars character where it's like she's a pilot and she's courageous and she's bold and she's intelligent, she's a strategist and all these things. But she's also very relatable in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do get to see how she grows sort of as a person, I think, throughout throughout Rebels. I thought it was really interesting. At one in one of the episodes, uh, I think I forget if it was Thrawn who pointed it out or someone pointed it out that she was. I think it was Thrawn that she was forged in war, and it's mm-hmm. and it's made clear that that she was she was a survivor of the Clone Wars and that she, um, in fact, uh, there's there's a really cool quote from her that I, I want to to share um, because it was it was Hera talking about her desire to become a pilot. And so actually this is coming from season two, episode seven wings of the master where she masterfully uh, is able to, to pilot this B wing and introduces B wings officially kind of into the rebellion. And, but, but yeah, but she talks about how she watched the Republic ships that fought to liberate Ryloth during the clone wars. And she wanted nothing more than to join them. And she says, she says, quote, you know, I left my family to fly, and if we want freedom, we, we must make difficult choices. I chose to leave my family, I chose to learn to fly, and I chose to use that ability to help others in need. It's all rooted in something I can't explain, a need to be up there. Because even when there are explosions all, ar- all around and things are at their worst, I feel like I'm at my best. And I thought that that was just a, an awesome... Uh, kind of insight into into the character of Hera that she she was forged in war if you will she was born during wartime 
but her desire to help people in need that that is like at the core of who Hera is like she doesn't she doesn't want to be a pilot to to be a combat pilot and fight and kill she wants to be a pilot to help others in need as she can and and that that's just kind of staple throughout her entire uh her entire career as a, as a pilot in the rebellion so it was interesting that that's that's where she came from, but she didn't let war define who she was. Yeah. And, and I like in that you, you see the difference, a defined difference between a calling and an ambition, right? Where you've got a person who's not doing it for the accolades. The accolades will come because it's, it's, they're good at it. It's, it's natural to them. It's, it's something that they're passionate about, but they're not doing it for those things. And because of that, they're able to kind of excel to that next level. And, and to really reach beyond what the regular potential is and and achieve something truly great. Yeah, I was just I mean, I had <clears throat> a list, you know, of, of the when I just started jotting down the things that came to mind about about her and, and her character. Um, and it's a lot of stuff we've said already, but it was just interesting, like the ones that came to mind, no particular order, uh, brave slash courageous, uh, compassionate. You know, there's a little bit of vulnerability in there, too. Uh, loyal. Right. You know, mm. like there's no <laughs> at no point does anyone even for a moment think that Hera is going to join the dark side. <laughs> um, you know, there's something to be said for that. Uh, and I, I have down sturdy and, and just sort of str- strong and strength. And see, this is where I think back to the maternal thing and, and you know, full disclosure, I, I have a really wonderful mom. You know, so obviously, like if if any of our listeners you know did not have that experience in life, right? You know, people I know a lot of people who don't. You know, I this can be obviously a difficult you know sort of thing to bring up, or or maybe that didn't resonate as much with uh, with you, you know. And so I I totally understand that, you know, and um and recognize that. But I think with I just from from my experience, there's like my mom is is she's tough. But it's, you know, I mean, like she's, she cries with the best of them. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's, mm-hmm. so it's, it's not like strength and sturdiness, you know, is not like a complete, like emotionless wall where you're completely unapproachable. And like father, like I th- you were saying earlier about that, like the grounding, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and keeping people on, on, on task. And I think with her, in my opinion, at least just from my, I haven't rewatched much of rebels lately but i i seem to remember from my my first kind of official watch through and you know when i was first watching my first impressions of her um i mean it really is i think her you can make a good argument um it's she's the one who basically brings them from being sort of a you know somewhat lovable marauding you know not bad guys but definitely not like part of a cause into being who they become uh, you know, they all have a role to play in that. But I mean, she's clearly <laughs> Kanan, especially, I think, you know, but mm-hmm. a lot of them. But Kanan, especially because of his past, like does not want to do that. Like he actively resists that move. And I, I seem to remember she's really the one who's like, look, this is we need to be part of this. <laughs> you know, um, people need us. And uh, that's a real kind of calling them out that I think she uh, is, is mostly probably responsible for. I think it was the majority of season one, they were sort of acting as a completely independent rebel cell. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. and I want to say it was at the end of season one where Kanan fights the Inquisitor and and it kind of opens their world 
through mm-hmm. through Hera to this larger connected, you know, rebel cells, and that's where Fulcrum yeah. comes into play, and 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 yeah, and Hera's the one who is who is sort of the catalyst to all of that. And if it was just Kanan as leader, they would have just stayed. I think there's even a a discussion between the two of them where, where they're mm-hmm. where they're kind of arguing back and forth about that very right. idea. Oh, yeah. there's, there's plenty of those over and over again. It's a, you know, he, she's constantly moving him forward and yeah. he's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, let's slow down a little bit. But, but I think that that's like, that's an important quality of that Hera has as, as a leader. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and again, you can apply that to a motherly sort of instinct too, but she's drawing out the best in her family and her crew mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. prompting them to go, to go bigger, to, to, you know, to right. join the bigger cause, to, commit their life to something other than just their own whims. Yeah. Even, even in, especially when they don't see it in themselves, right. When it's, when they don't feel confident and when they don't feel able for every single crew member, she has a moment where she pulls them aside and says, Hey, you can Mm -hmm. do this and kind of pushes them out the door. You know, that, that uh, mother bird, like tossing (laughs) them out of the nest. Go. (laughs) Well, and to her credit too, because like, I don't want to, Obviously, you know, for a second downplay Kanan's struggle with it, right? Because, you know, the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is, you know, he's he himself is is forged and raised in an environment yeah. of heavy, you know, heavy involvement in the cause of the galaxy. And then all of his all of the people you put all of your security and trust in turn their blasters on you when they get a phone call or, you know, or a hologram mm-hmm. saying execute order 66. So, yeah. you know, how the fact that he's ever able to trust anybody again is a miracle mm-hmm. and she's largely responsible for that. You see some of that in the new Dawn novel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's a, I, I think it's no small feat for her to be able to even get him to the table about that, let alone actually get him on board while never in any way downplaying, you know, the, the, the trauma that he's carrying with him. Right. I, I think back to um, that moment in uh, trials of the dark saber, when Kanan is stuck in like, you know, he's training Sabine to have the dark saber. And um, the thing is that he's just, he's training her with sticks and he's not allowing her to use the dark saber. And he has this holocall with Hera and Hera basically, you know, calls him out and says, this is not about you. Uh, this is not about what you want. This is about Sabine. And she she really, um, I I think, you know, what I wrote down is she leads with her heart and her mind um, mm-hmm. that she she basically gives Kanan a reading on Sabine. She says, like, you know, Sabine um, has been hurt by her family and she can't she's holding back because of that. Um, and so, you know, she has all of this insight into you know with Ezra you know Ezra joining the ghost crew in the first place and and staying with them um the fact that he told them you know I don't have a family um I'm just it's just me and and that she you know she supports him being with them um she's just a very she's very supportive and she understands people on a deeper level, you know, even like Lando Calrissian, when he comes <laughs> um, into play with the ghost crew and he has this crazy plan um, and Hera is just kind of like, 
I don't know. I think some people would interpret Hera as sort of falling for his charms, but I interpreted that episode as her kind of seeing the real Lando and sort of, you know, knowing that he's kind of a fox and and sly and everything, but just going with the plan that (laughs) essentially sells her as a slave to this weird shady guy (laughs) and then ends up like just trusting that that Lando knows what he's doing and that things are going to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's very capable of, of getting herself out of uh, tough situations as well. So um, yeah, I think, you know, talking about trauma, I wanted to bring up also that um, Hera gets over her own trauma as well um, Mm -hmm. because there, I mean, there's a lot of that, but with the Pergil in particular um, that she she mentions that the Purgle at first she hates them because they are um, menaces. She says that she's, she's known a lot of pilots who have died because of um, collisions with Purgle. And um, she ends up, and this goes back to another characteristic of hers, trusting Kanan and Ezra when they say, you know, we need these Purgle to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has to kind of get rid of that, um, you know, put aside her her trauma, her her difficulties um, with, you know, knowing that people people died um, who she knew. Um, and ultimately, the Purgle become like this amazing yeah. triumphant moment in Rebels um, because she chose to trust her crew and the, her family mm-hmm. um, to get through that uh, difficult you know, um, situation and that struggle that she had, that interior struggle. So, um, yeah, those are a couple of things that I just wanted to bring up that I thought, um, sort of showcase, uh, Hera's emotional intelligence and her, um, her loyalty, all that good stuff. And I appreciate that you bring that up too, because it it also shows Hera as not this invincible, perfect character. Mm-hmm. But she's she's just as as uh, human, if you will. She's Twi'lek, but I mean, you know, she's just as human as as the whole the whole family. So she has her own her own struggles and her own challenges. And and I love how Star Wars Rebels has like brought this family together, and they all they all are able to get through and grow and heal because of the family unit that they are. Mm-hmm. And it's. And it's, you know, it's only because of that. If, if, if they were on their own, they just, they wouldn't deal with it. And I, and I love that this show really focuses and has that theme of family, you know, over and over and over and over again. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that it probably resonates with a lot of Star Wars fans is just that, that unit is so, is so good. And, and we can relate to all the characters at different points in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so Hera, Hera, you know, even with her, her own challenges still is that, that grounding presence, you know, her and Kanan, even though they, and, and they fight, you know, and, and so like, <laughs> they're not a perfect couple and yet they work through it and they don't let their differences, you know, cause, cause them to ultimately divide and, and fall apart, but they work through them and, and heal and it, and it leads, you know, throughout the, the entirety of the, of the four seasons of rebels. So. And they always treat each other with respect. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's something that is really admirable about their relationship is, 
yes, they do fight. They do have disagreements, but they always are respectful of each other. Um, and I mean, unless I'm forgetting something, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think I think that's also a good a good um, sort of role role model situation. Mm-hmm. I also just love the banter. You know, so so mm-hmm. not not yeah. disrespectful by any means, but but like the banter between, you know, her and Chopper or her and Kanan or, you know, really all of them. The, you know, there's again, there, there's that family feel and, and it's 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 so relatable. Well, and you can only have that if you're really comfortable with the people that you're with. If you if you really trust them, yep. you, that's the only point at which you can get to that level where saying something, you know, calling out a flaw that they have in the moment that they're having that flaw becomes acceptable. And, and that's, you, you really see, uh, they do a great job of, of not only, not only just stating that trust, but of also developing it. And that's mm-hmm. a really, it's a hard thing to do in a story to show the development of trust because as a viewer, you're like, okay, yeah, well naturally everything just worked out that way, but they put these characters in a lot of situations where there's, there's good reason for them not to trust each other or there's good reason for them to, to be leery of what's happening. And they have, the the character doesn't just accept it. They have to overcome that. And, And it makes for some great character growth all around because they, they, don't get to just be comfortable with these people because that's what's in the script, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they have to like, you actually see these characters struggle with uh, how they're going to interact with each other. That's one of the great things that this is a, a series and not just a two hour movie mm-hmm. because they oh. had for basic, I mean, four years, but you know, four seasons where we, if if you're like me, I, I started watching Rebels when it premiered. So I felt like I was journeying with them for four years. I didn't just mm-hmm. binge all four seasons in, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks. And so, so there was also a sense of, of just, yeah, that trust was earned because I, I, I knew where they came from and I knew, you know, the, the troubles that they had, you know, back in season one and, you know, and, and it just, it like any, like any, family units or, or, you know, friends that are bonded in this way, the, you know, this, it, it paid off and it was, it felt like it was, it was, it was paid off. Well, let's talk about the relationship between Kanan and Hera. Let me get my tissues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Um, I mean, so to, to, to start off with, I just wanted to point this out. I thought that this was kind of a, a fun bit from um back to star wars a new dawn so uh the the first so this is like the first encounter with with between kanan and hera and kanan actually doesn't even see hera but he hears he hears her voice and i forget if it's on a a comm link or, or whatever but there's there's this wonderful statement that john jackson miller puts in it he says kanan who had who had had no mission in life now found himself with one seeing who it was that could be attached to a voice like that end quote <laughs> so i just i thought Love that was kind hearing. of a, right right <laughs> um you know a kind of a, a, a fun comical sort of foreshadowing of of that them two are going to have quite the quite the history together uh, father do you know did he write did john jackson miller write for the show at all at any point or is he just that good at, I, at capturing <laughs> 
you know, I mean, because I, I don't I haven't read that in a while, but I mean, it was just so good <laughs> and so fitting. You know, sometimes I feel like they don't quite get it, you know, but his did. So I don't I don't think he's written for the show. Uh, okay. he, he's he's definitely and just a, a author of, of the novels. But you right. can you can just about guarantee that there was conversations with Dave Filoni. In fact, Dave Filoni did oh, the sure. forward. So right, right. So I'm so more than likely Dave kind of gave him some some clues like, you know, could you yeah. could you throw in some relationship kind of things? And, and, and if I remember correctly, because I think they do guess at about like what Hera's age you know is in the book. And she's kind of in her late teens. And I think officially on Wikipedia, it was saying that she's she's like 29, I think, around the time of the Battle of Yavin. So like, you know, so you have basically a little over a 10 year arc, you know, kind of, I think, if you take New Dawn up through Rebels. Um, I, I mean, yeah, and there's gaps and stuff there, but but it right. is, it's a good chunk of time. Right. Um, and even and even this book, I forget how long it takes place before Rebels, but it's before right. they even meet up with Zeb or yeah. Sabine. So right. it's it's years, I think, before even the the first episode of Rebels. So, what are your guys' thoughts on that relationship? Do you? Th- I mean, you know, Ed, I <laughs> think we're all nervous to go into it. No, it's like, cause where, where do you? Yeah. Did it? Did it? Did it, it feel like it was like it was meant to happen? I guess would be maybe my. I think it's you know to to, <laughs> to <laughs> go this for is, it. This is a bit of a this is a bit of a stretch to quote. Uh, um, oh my gosh, Callisto. From Pirates of the Caribbean, there's a touch of destiny um, <laughs> about it, for sure. I, I mean, it's and it's so funny to me, like in that book, you know, for those who didn't read it, how well, um, the, how well he captured, I think, the essence of their relationship, which is what's so beautiful to me about it is it's always the same, <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. just like how and, and this just at least in my experience, like with my with my wife, you know, it's like you know, we've, we've grown so much, you know, but, but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm still me. She's still her. The things that were like, even if we've improved in in lots of areas, like the things that drove us nuts about each other or that caused tension, you know, eight years ago still do now, you know, it's just, there's like, it's a little bit better, you Mm -hmm. know, but, but it's like, it, it usually isn't so much that there's a completely new, category that we've discovered other than with kids of course because we didn't have kids but so now it's like what's this what do, right. what do i do <laughs> you know of course but but i love that with the two of them you know you, they do have that banter there is you know they both have a way of kind of i think canaan especially i feel like you know um he has a way uh, he, he knows how to push her buttons right mm-hmm and he does, and he does it on purpose. <laughs> and, he, and it's what I love about it is that's a lot like Han, but it's not just ripping off Han, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you know, so that was another thing I liked too about about you know how he he pushes her buttons, but also she's she's up to it. She can kind of push back, but she also, um, I think tends to be a little more you know like I, I think she really leverages that compassion and and you know knowing his background i think she she really kind of has patience <laughs> with him mm-hmm. with with all of that baggage of course you know those are just a few things off the top of my head i think there, there's a danger in looking at the characters and thinking that she uh brings out the best in him but that he doesn't do much for her mm-hmm. and and i think that the 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 way to look at that properly is that her uh 
her relationship with him is explicit. It's very out front and it needs to be because we need to see her uh, being direct with him and, and he needs that directness. Whereas when you look at what she gets out of the relationship, it's much more subtle and internal. It causes her to be a better leader because she has to step up, right? She has to constantly uh, fill roles that she wasn't necessarily expecting or ready for. And it's not that he tells her she needs to, but that she sees that and steps into it, right? And so with the, what she gets out of the relationship is much more subtle than what he does, but it's really important. And the balance there is so beautiful because you see this dance between the two of them, where as she pushes him out more, uh, he also draws her into situations that she has to respond to. And so there's this good, uh, this beautiful ebb and flow to who's kind of, you know, making the boundaries uh, where they are. And then it really does. It bu builds up to that beautiful moment where they, you know, it's a finally moment for us as, as the viewers mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, you know, you guys have been dancing around this for so long and, and we want to see something come of it. And it, and, and when it does, it's, it's a surprise, but it's not a surprise. And I think that it's the most natural thing in the world, but it's also like, you know, it just comes at this moment where you're not really expecting it entirely. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. That's there. That's there. And then that's the way I think a lot of things happen. I know when, with my my wife and uh and myself uh we were friends first that was we were really close friends um and it it just was one of those things where we were talking on the phone and it just happened right like we were i, I was telling her that i was going to come up and visit her and it it just clicked like things just fit and we both knew that at that moment that was that was it and uh sometimes you don't expect it it just is there. And I love seeing that kind of played out in these characters. And, and by the way, a connection between my wife and Hera is that uh, I, my wife will tell you that she thought that I was annoying when she first met me. <laughs> and I do think there is a little bit of that, you know, <laughs> I, I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you think of Hera, at least for me, like I always think of her like yelling at someone from the pilot seat, like, Kaden, you know, yeah. like <laughs> Chopper. That's right. So, yeah. Um, no, what I was going to say is um, I think it's interesting that um, what you were saying, Thomas, um, you know, we, it's not until the end of Kanan's life that we see her say, I love you to him. Mm -hmm. And at first, he's like, oh, must be the truth serum talking. <laughs> She's like, no, yeah. this is me. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that was why I was personally like really surprised that they ended up having a son. Um, because, but I think it goes back to what you were saying that Kanan is, is a lot in his head and, mm -hmm. um, and Hera doesn't necessarily need him to, um, you know, express his, his care for her in, mm -hmm. in certain ways. Um, she, she's very, like you were saying, I mean, she calls him love a lot throughout, mm -hmm. throughout the series. Um, but it's, it's just the way that they wrote that, that episode Jedi Knight, um, where she actually says it to him. And it's sort of like they wrote it as if it was the first time, ever that she had mm -hmm. said that to him. Um, so yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, there's, 
probably a lot of couples out there that can relate to like communication breakdowns and communication <laughs> difficulties. Um, and definitely, you know, they, what's cool about them is that they, they do have those, like we were saying, but they, they work through them, but it is interesting that they have shown their, um, their love for one another in a different way than just verbally, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think that goes, that, that speaks to maybe their wounds, you know, th- their past. Um, so yeah. You were just making me think of, uh, I wonder what their love languages are. <laughs> Do you- <laughs> so in your, I also was like, I was thinking too, I wonder I know Dave Filoni's like really deep in this stuff. So I wonder how much he was thinking of her being Twi'lek and that being, mm. in, uh, you know, that maybe she doesn't know to express love that way uh, because they have the, you know, they have the leku and that is a sensory organ that allows them yeah. to kind of feel people's emotions. Um, so I wonder how much of that is that she doesn't need the the commentary because she can tell, right? She, she knows, uh, so I don't know. That's interesting kind of throw in there for Star Wars. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I just looked up the the love languages because that's what I was thinking about. But um, <laughs> words of affirmation. So maybe not so much for, for them to quality time spent together. So that mm-hmm. that could be one uh, physical touch. Probably not as much, at least from what we we saw. Acts of service. That one could be another mm-hmm. uh, big one for them, too. And then receiving Definitely. gifts. So um yeah, maybe not so not so much on the the words of affirmation, but but I but I do love how how it does show they do show each other that they love each other, mm-hmm. you know. And and I really appreciated the fact that 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 they are portrayed as kind of the friends first relationship, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you know it's not just this sappy you know kind of honeymoon phase of a relationship that just you know happens. But rather, I mean, you can tell that they have a really strong bond of friendship before, you know, before even the words I love you are are uttered by by either of them, you know, and I think that that's just super important um, just in general. I mean, you know, as as humans, it's it's and, and I'm sure, of course, you all can attest to that, that a friendship is is crucial in your relationships with your spouses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um and and so I just I I do really appreciate that they that they showed that you know and then Canaan himself of course sacrificing his life for Hera kind of that mm-hmm. ultimate expression of of love. Of course he's he's doing it for the the rebellion too but but in that moment I mean it's very clear there's that there's that moment b- between him and Hera and he's saving mm-hmm. her specifically. Uh, Mm -hmm. when he, when he sacrifices his life. So I, I think that that is a a very crucial, a crucial moment in, in their relationship. By the way, father, do you know that according to the official birth dates and, you know, ages and everything, he's 33 when he does that? Really? (laughs) That can't be that. There are no coincidences. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, I There's mean, something there. definitely, definitely the, the Christ <laughs> figure uh, for, for that, yeah. for that arc. Um, and I think I, like you, Angela, was surprised about the child. Um, I, I sort of expected more of a development of, of, a, of a romantic relationship before that, that surprise. Um, I have to say that I'm, 
I'm okay with the surprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I think I think little Jason Sindula is has got some got some potential for for some really cool stories down the road. Mm-hmm. Whether we'll see him or not, hopefully we do. In fact, maybe he would show up in Ahsoka. Well, yeah. is is there? I, I was I had a note here to ask is. Is is there development on the? I, I heard it brought up, but I don't know if there's ever any like answer to it, uh, like a year or so ago. But canonically, like the ghost is clearly in the end battle the, in episode yep. nine. Like that's not disputed. Mm-hmm. Who's yeah. flying it? Is the question. That's... I mean, it's it's you know thirty what thirty plus years mm-hmm. after Jedi. So is it Hera? Is it Jason? So, is it both? Open ended on purpose. Yeah. So. Yeah. They've One thing never... we know for sure probably is Chopper's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. There's no way Chopper's waving, not in there. Waving his little hands, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think we have anything yet to, to clarify so, that. Okay. See, I thought, I thought it was really interesting with their relationship. It would not have bothered me if the, the, the kiss and kind of all of that aspect of it had just been the first time we had seen it on screen. Because they were so comfortable with each other that it was it was very much like they were already in a relationship. So I really wouldn't have been bothered if they just said that that was what was going on all along and that they were just they were a private couple. They were they had they had a public face that that we saw in Rebels as the commanders of this crew. And they had also a private life that they were living as well. And then they just didn't let the two, you know, interfere with each other. That's how it was. That's kind of how I interpreted it. I feel like when I when that yeah. Um, let's move on then to just our favorite qualities, which we I mean, we've already mentioned a number of them. But are, are there other qualities of hair that that we haven't talked about that you guys have jotted down as your favorite qualities of her? I like how she can deal with Chopper. <laughs> her her interactions with Chopper, like I love Chopper just in general. Chopper is hilarious, but her interactions with Chopper are always the absolute best. The best, yeah. Because <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't take any guff from him, and he is nothing but guff. He's a bucket of guff. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was just gonna go back to was something that Thomas had said at the beginning, which was that she knows what she's good at. And I think, uh, you know, apart from what you had mentioned, you know, I think that is a very good lesson for kids to learn. I mean, adults, too. I think a lot of adults still don't understand the concept of like vocation, you know, being um, where you're called to be like Mm -hmm. in the present moment and that that is the best thing to be concerned about, you know, um, you don't necessarily have to know where everyone else fits in the picture, but just really like taking care of, you know, okay, what, what is my role in this? Um, and she knows that very well, but, but as you were saying, she also, she does pull out the best in others. And I think that's just, that's just a really, really great virtue. And I think, you know, um, if we just worked on that as people, uh, this world would be like amazing, you know, like what, who am I? And like, what, Mm -hmm. what am I called to be right now in my family, like in my community? And then just like trying to be the best at that. Um, I think she's just, she's just an awesome example of that. It's an important part of surrounding yourself with good people is to 
improve those people that are around you, right? Is not just that you've chosen these good people and now I found a better one, so I'm going to get rid of this one, but to say, I've chosen these good people for a reason. Let me encourage them to be better because as they become better, I also become better. And, mm-hmm. you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. She doesn't try to be good at everything, you know, and, and that's, that's another one of the, the lessons that we can learn is that of, of trusting your, your family, trusting your, your crew, if you will, you know, that you're going to do your part and, and you're going to do to the best of your ability, but you're also going to trust the, the people that you have around you to do their part. And, you know, and just like vocation that, that, you know, not everybody has that same calling or those same gifts and to recognize mm-hmm. the gifts in other people and to let them accomplish those gifts and not try to, you know, take it away from them as some sort of a, I have to do it all. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's very good at, at recognizing the gifts in others and yeah, cultivating that in them. Well, yeah. And I just had down that, um, the kind of the Mary connection, just simply, you know, what I wrote down was, um, I think she has both those, those classic kind of somehow perfectly together when they, a lot of times they seem at odds or can seem at odds if you kind of caricature them, but, uh, humility and magnanimity, you know, that while she's simultaneously completely humble, nobody's perfect, you know, but, um, but Hera, I think has that, uh, clearly that humility, she's not running around acting like she's the main character of her own life, you know, and that's like Angela was saying, can you imagine what the world would be like if we were doing that too, you know, because uh, I'm not, I'm not the main character. I, I tell my students that all the time. It's like, I know how crazy that sounds, guys. That's the <laughs> point. Everything that tells you that's not true is lying to you. Like it's, it's, it's the fallen mm. world. Everything's on its head. The fact is you're not the main character of your own life. And and that's where joy lies and realizing that, you know, but at the same time that, you know, humility is not what I mean, a lot of times I know in my own life, I'm struggling with that. You know, you, you think it's beating yourself up, you know, and it's not, you know, it, it's it's um, I, I love the Magnificat because it summarizes all of that, that Mary's just completely humble. But by the same token, just singing, I mean, like all generations will call me blessed. You know, that's not a prideful statement. Like she's, she's prophesying and that's a pretty bold thing to say, but it's precisely because of this great thing that's been done for her, you Mm know? Um, And so I think in Hera, who's not the blessed mother, but still, you know, the (laughs) idea that, that, that true humility, but she's got, she's got big magnanimous, you know, ideas and plans and hopes and, and, you know, she dares to think these like all things are possible mm-hmm. kind of attitude mm-hmm. um, and, and getting back to what we said earlier about Canaan. I think one of the benefits and I, I'm, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, Thomas, but just when you were talking about Canaan and his input, I mean, he is I think he's he's a true Jedi and he sort of rediscovers that. And I think there's a real a real role that plays in sort of the, the spiritual um bolstering you know this the spirituality mm-hmm. in a sense of of that um of, of her or of him kind of contributing i think that in a lot of ways to her outlook uh is is part of that as well so those are just some more things i had down here i have a few comments to throw out on humility uh you uh humility comes from the latin uh and it, and it actually could be translated as grounded or from the earth it comes from humus which means earth and humility is one of those things that, uh, you know, if you kind of have that in mind in your translation, it, it means acknowledging what's real. You're grounded. You're, you know, and so it's not a, it's not a, you know, you want to, you want to 
just speak down to yourself or patronize yourself, Mm -hmm. but you're acknowledging what's true, what's real, what's grounded, you know? And so that's, that's authentic humility. And that's exactly what uh, the blessed mother does. And, and I think Hera also, you know, can, can model in her own life. Uh, One of the other thing ways that I like to describe humility to people, if I'm talking about it is it's not thinking uh, less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less, you know? So it's, it's, it's not this, you know, just kind of downplaying my own gifts or talents because I'm being humble, um, you know, because I'm scared of being prideful. No, it's actually, you know, just, yeah, it's not thinking less of yourself. Just think about yourself less, but but be real and be grounded. So I think Hera, Hera does exemplify that, that uh, virtue. Yeah, and I don't think that's um, looking too deep into it, because as I was reminded when I was um, going through Wikipedia as well, that um Dave Filoni um and another one of the writers as well has um mentioned that some of these characters were um were named for specific historical or mythological or religious character um mm-hmm. characters or figures uh, in order to kind of drive home something about them um and so Hera you know being the the goddess who was um the wife of Zeus, right? Um, and the goddess of women, of of marriage, of um, motherhood, childbirth. Um, so all of those qualities, you know, we've been talking about, right, endlessly. But I think also, you know, that that um, that look at, you know, being grounded, um, I think also was very intentional, you know, in in connecting with those different. Um, aspects of what she really stands for. Um, that was very intentional, I think. Any other lessons we can learn from from her character? Um, I want to say reconciliation uh, because of how she deals with, I mean, everyone really, but especially with her father. Um, I really, really appreciate the uh, couple of episodes that we get, but especially the one I think it's Hera's Heroes, but it might have been something or something else. Um, but she she talks about um, with her father. She has this really kind of cool conversation where she actually we hear her using her Ryloth accent, yeah, which was mm-hmm. neat. Um, so kind of falling back into that sort of childhood, like part of her brain and her father actually tells her that she's wasting her life. And she, she, first of all, I like the fact that she sticks to her convictions and her mission. And she says, I no, I'm not, I'm not wasting my life. I'm helping people. And ultimately she, um, she comes to this point where her father even is like, pointing a blaster at her and and threatening um to blow up this ship that she's trying to that all of her crew members are on and um is really kind of um you know we we have been told that Cham Sindula was sort of i think uh, thrown into thrown into he was thrown into this um warlike attitude when um his wife died in the war um, and he only cared about the liberation of Ryloth at that point and sort of um, vengeance. 
But so to to uh, face her father in those circumstances, she I think what she does is she she offers him her heart in in this amazing way where she actually tells him the reason that I do what I do in helping people is because of your example that I I saw you helping people and I and she she's creating this common ground with him she's she's again being very humble you know she's saying hey you know I learned this from you and this is all you know who I am today is because of you and she didn't have to say that you know she she we know that she was very hurt by him she didn't want to talk to him um at the beginning of that episode and um she didn't like him you know i think um in many ways but when push came to shove she was able to really um to reconcile with him truly and he uh came to the point where he actually ended up helping them um and she found a way to satisfy both what she was trying to go for her mission and his mission as well. Um, so I really, really like that episode a lot. I think it says a lot about her and her character and what we can learn about, um, you know, reconciling with people. And sometimes, you know, things won't end up that way. You know, things won't end up wrapped up in a bow and, you know, you, you're on this great, you know, wonderful relationship with the other person. But I think, you know, ultimately just the way that she, um, we know that that she handled herself and that she presented herself to the other person um, that had hurt her um, very deeply, obviously, um, is is a great lesson that she teaches. That's awesome. Yeah. Any other lessons you guys got? If not, we'll go we'll go on to your favorite moments. Uh, what are your favorite moments with Hera? That's it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's there's a lot. You know, I, I I really like the episode where um she's stuck in the ship. It's it's towards the end of the series, and she's stuck in the ship, and it's um and she's having to repair it. Everybody else is off doing their thing, and she can't be involved, right? And that's it's such a great episode because you get to see her without everyone, and that it completely changes the tone of the character because so often she is, you know, she's the one that, that they anchor to. And so now not only do they not have their anchor, but she doesn't get to be the anchor and she has to be, she, she has to move outside of that shell of herself where she lets everybody else do what they're good at. And she has to really just take on all the hats and do it all to, to fix the ship, to get the ship there in time. And, um, and seeing that moment in her character where she can step up when she needs to, right? But she's more comfortable getting the right people in the right positions. And and to see that not only is that uh, th- that a quality of hers, but that she's capable of doing all the other things. She just knows when it's not her responsibility. And she's comfortable with that and is, is good at, at not delegating, but encouraging and... and uh, br- causing people to rise to the occasion that's cool i never would have picked that i think i always enjoy hearing what everyone's favorite moments are because it's kind of like a peek into your brain in a way <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I'll, I'll share mine uh i actually just i uh rewatched harris heroes 
So, so the the episode that you were referring to, uh, Angela, is not Harris Heroes. It was the other yeah, episode with it's something with, Ryloth, yeah, Michelle Ryloth, or something like that. Harris Heroes is where uh, Thrawn has captured her her hometown or, or her home village, and he's he's captured or they so they want to go in. Hera wants to go in and retrieve her Calicori, the the little the art thing that that has. Every, I think it's every mother adds something to it as it's passed down from, from generation to generation. So it's a, it's a piece of art that reflects her ancestry and, and her, her family. And it's, so it's got huge sentimental value. But, but what I love about it is that this is, this becomes a personal mission for Hera. And she even recognizes that at the beginning of the episode. And yet the entire ghost crew wants to help her on this mission because they want to help her, even though it's not a, mm. a mission for the rebellion. And initially Hera doesn't want to do it because it's not, it's not a rebellion mission. Uh, but they end up going in and, and helping her. And it's also the first time that Hera and Thrawn come face to face. So Thrawn is mm. definitely one of my absolute favorite villains. And I, I'm also a sucker for art. So I really appreciate his appreciation of art. And so he recognizes the Calicori as something that's that's unique and precious and can give him insight into into who Hera is as a leader. And of course, he's using it to, to understand her and to, to be able to uh, win win this war against the rebels um, and not just appreciating it for for its sake as as art and and uh, representing Hera's family. But even in that, uh, Hera goes back to her Ryloth accent. So that was also mm. really cool because she's trying to uh, mimic a slave and, and get out of Thrawn's clutches. And and uh, of course, Thrawn sees right through it. And and he's he's totally in analy analyzing mode uh, with Hera. But I, I just I really love that whole thing. And of course, at the end of it, Thrawn gets the Calicori and, and Hera doesn't end up leaving with it. But at the end of that episode, she she makes the comment that it's her family, the ghost family that will help her preserve the memory of her family and her ancestry without the Calicori. Um, thankfully later on the, in the season, Kanan gets it back for her, but that's um, in fact, that's, well, that's, that's a whole season away. Oh, Actually. <laughs> okay. My, so my, my favorite moment uh, with Hera is in Jedi Knight where she's uh, being interrogated by the, the mind probe. Mm -hmm. and she's like totally loopy <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and she um she's saying all these ridiculous things and i I really like um when kanan comes and rescues her and she's like i have something to tell you and you think it's like you know i love you or whatever and it's like i hate your hair <laughs> 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 and and then yeah and then he says um i brought you a present and she's like a present and then he hands her the calicori and she's like kanan this is mine <laughs> he's yeah. like i know and she's like then it's not really a present. <laughs> and she's like super loopy when she's saying it too. Um, but I love that. And then I love how like even a couple minutes later, like she's like still stumbling and she's like, it's basically like, I guess when you get injected by this mind probe, you're essentially just like, it's like a truth serum. I think that's what Kanan mm -hmm. says. It's like, you just kind of act like you've been on anesthesia for a long time and you're totally loopy and, and you can't walk straight and stuff. So she almost falls off this ledge and, and then he catches her, but then these stormtroopers start um, shooting at them. And immediately it's like, 
It's like somebody flips a switch in her brain and she just grabs a blaster and she has like perfect aim and she just <laughs> gets those those guys. Um, so, yeah, I that 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 part of the episode, obviously, the very end is always touching to watch um, when Kanan, you know, sacrifices himself. But I, I have to say the my favorite um, is when. We kind of see the other side of Hera and she, you know, she has that truth serum and she's just, um, you see her, her sense of humor, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would just mention, you know, as far as a favorite moment that I, the, the favorite one recently for me, just from just some of these rewatch throughs. So it wasn't from a huge range, but in that, uh, uh, what was it? Um, in out of the darkness when she's with Sabine mm-hmm. and this maybe just because of the, the commentary on on trust that's in there. But, you know, Sabine's understandably trying to get a lot of information, you know, and, and it's like she's worried about being um, roped into something, you know, like she was before. And so it's understandable, but it's like Hera's, I think, progressively able to communicate it better through the episode. But it's like, look. And this maybe this resonated with me just because of, you know, I, I, you know, I was a military intelligence officer. So I like there's some of this is still in me where it's like, look, sometimes you can't know certain things and yeah. it's hard and it's and, and see, it's not, you know, now I'm even as a parent now, too, I'm starting to be like, daddy, why, 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 why? It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult for me. It's like or, or some of these moments where it's just like the stakes are so much higher with Hera and, and um and Sabine and that, but trying to get across to her, like, look, this is like, you don't understand. There are lives on the line. There's certain things you can't know, certain things we, you know, like it has to be compartmentalized. There's a bigger picture here than your pain and your, you know, as important as that is. But she, she has a way of, of trying to keep, I think, bringing that up in, in more, you know, a little more tender, a little more direct, Like she's very authentic uh, with Sabine through that. Mm-hmm. And you can see at the end, I think of that episode that there's still, you know, Sabine's not like, oh, OK, everything's great. You know, right. no problem. But but she's she believes in Hera more. Mm-hmm. And and there's a win there, you know, that 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 authenticity of like, OK, I'll trust you, uh, you know, because you, you seem to you're not the empire. you know. <laughs> so that right. authenticity. And I think that's just, you know, as as a dad, as a teacher, as you know, someone who knows with like youth ministry, I mean, all the all of that matters for me, of course, you know, of, of you know, it's not the perfect argument. It's the being real. You know, that that really matters. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Any final observations on Hera? This is more of just a question, because the Wikipedia article, I don't know if that's a real person or a really well done CGI. I think it's it's from the game. I think it's it's like the like the picture they have of her. It it almost weirds me out because it's like (laughs) the way we know Hera is from Rebels. And it's just it's I wonder I wonder why they would pick that picture for her. Yeah, also on the just, novel, I mean, she's got more of a human, like less animated look. Yeah, yeah, um, it is just funny. But yeah, I, I think that's that's actually from Squadrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, uh, Vanessa Marshall did the voice, and I'm pretty sure she did the mo mm-hmm. mocap for it too. So right. you know, so it is like it, it is based it's believable. on <laughs> right. It's it's based on her likeness. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, after you're you're used to the animated. Uh, version of Hera, it is it is a little odd sometimes to see it in. Well, a... and Rebels is heavily stylized too. It's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, even more so than Clone Wars was. I think it had its own yeah. very unique it's, style. It's like that moment where you're like, oh, wait, this is like Hera's real now. No, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sort of it's sort of strange. 
Very good. Uh, well, that is going to conclude our first part discussion on Harris and Dula. So listeners, of course, we want to know what your thoughts and opinions are on Spectre 2, Harris and Dula herself. Uh, so uh, definitely let us know your what, what your thoughts are. Email us or comment on our Facebook or Twitter page to, to let us know. You can email us any feedback at starwars at sqpn.com and you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media and on Twitter at SQPN. Uh, at this point, I want to to give one um, listener feedback. We got an email from Catherine, and, and she's responding to our Darth Jar Jar episode. And <laughs> uh oh, first line is <laughs> ha ha. So uh, <laughs> she, she said, you know, or staying with the April's Fool theme. How about Jar Jar the Force Fool? She's referring to uh, like a holy fool. I believe Jar Jar to be so aware of the Force that he is a Force Fool. He does not follow the Jedi or the Sith, but purely the movement of the Force. Thus, both Jedi and Sith would see the need to watch him carefully. <laughs> Fools mm. closest to the king or emperor are not necessarily his ally. And then she asks, why was Jar Jar made a general? Well, just like in the business world today, when an outlandish, seemingly impossible plan is proposed, the one appointed to lead it is the one most easily blamed in the event it fails. Jar Jar can easily be thrown under the droid tank, so to speak. <laughs> please, please, please do a Thrawn episode. As an artist, he is my favorite Star Wars character. Great work on the character episodes, Catherine. Yeah, those are some good points. And I do think at some point we will be doing a Thrawn episode. He is one of my favorite villains of all time. So we just have to kind of uh, plan for that. So so stay tuned because that that will happen at some point down the road. We might have to do multiple Thrawn episodes I... because uh, <laughs> yes. you know, he's still in development very much. Yeah. <laughs> the, the challenge with Thrawn is that he is now in Rebels, the, the series, but he's also got by the end of this year, he's going to have six canon novels mm -hmm. and then he is likely to show up in the ahsoka series so there mm -hmm. is yeah there, there's a lot a lot going on in, in thrawn's story so when it's funny for him not being a mainline villain i think there is a lot of interest in him as a character it's because he's been here for decades and he is such oh, a yeah. fan favorite for for all the the legends fans mm -hmm. so and i mean andy's just a cool villain you know, it, oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. he's, he's exactly what you want in the Empire, which is this. Yep. This uh, logical, analytic, bureaucratic, you know, just very straight. He's often yeah, been he's like a Bond villain. And he, he, yeah. he's been referred to also as a Sherlock Holmes kind of mind. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, Catherine, I, I, ironic, ironically enough, Lars Mikkelsen, you know, yeah. rumored to potentially play him live action. That would be a dream come true. And he mm. was, of course, in Sherlock. So there's, there's and all kinds of connections. His brother played uh, uh, Galen. Yes, Galen Urso Galen in, in Urso. Rogue One. So, so he is That's right. He is not. He's family, and he's and he's not <laughs> foreign to acting and and being in live no. action. So. Yeah. Oh, if he's if he's in yeah. it, I will I will be so happy. So, Catherine, there's a, a sneak peek of a Thrawn related episode. So <laughs> uh, stay tuned for more, though, down the road. At this point, too, we would like to take a moment and thank our thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week, Peter E., Daniel M., 
James O, Billy C, and Placid K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we make here at StarQuest, and you can visit that you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast feeds, or you can find us on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just click the bell to get notifications of new episodes. And you can find previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars by going to sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And another exciting announcement, um, after a small hiccup with our merchandise store, we are back. So you can get a even different now uh, version of the official Secrets of Star Wars t-shirt. And uh, we have these t-shirts uh, for the show that encapsulates our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. And they are available in various styles and sizes. So you can get your uh, Secrets of Star Wars shirt at sqpn.com slash merch. We will be back in two weeks where we will be joined by the voice behind Hera herself. So Hera Syndulla part two. Uh, so we will be talking to Vanessa Marshall here on the podcast. And so we are super, super excited for that and happy to to welcome her onto the, the podcast. So Vanessa will be joining us to talk about all things Hera and her experience uh, in the Star Wars universe, voice acting, um, especially such an iconic character. And patrons, this is an exciting opportunity for you as we want to give you a special as a special thank you for being patrons of the show. Uh, we want to allow you to submit questions that we will then ask Vanessa when she is on the podcast. So this is your chance to help guide our discussion with Vanessa through the questions you want us to ask her to answer on the show. Uh, and we will compile these questions we receive and do our best to get them proposed to Vanessa. So patrons, you definitely don't want to miss this out on this opportunity. And just go to your Patreon feed and there's a post there that you can comment your question to her under that. And we are compiling those. And again, if you want to become a patron of SQPN, please go to sqpn.com slash give. Also, one other thing, mark your calendar on May 4th, Star Wars Day, uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern or that's 6 p.m. Pacific time. We are going to be doing another special live episode streamed on Facebook with video, and we want to interact with you during that live broadcast. So in preparation for that special broadcast, you may want to re-listen to our May 4th episode from 2020 because there may be prizes on the line. Uh, if you can't pick up on the hint, watch <laughs> watch our episode from last year and uh, we will be asking will questions and be giving out prizes. So uh, please, please join us for that. Mark your calendars, May 4th, 9 p.m. Eastern. So until next time, Angela Cialana, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. My pleasure. Thomas Sanherjo, thank you for joining us this evening as well. It's been great. And Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us this evening. Oh yeah, always a blast. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Quest.